Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Scent Off podcast, a podcast, a group, uh, a part of the Patrick Lounge, uh, where we discuss all the latest stuff about football, both national and club, on and off the pitch. Uh, my name is Thomas, and for the Euros, I think Portugal is going to bring it home. Uh, hi, my name is Kron, and I think Portugal is going to win the Euros. Hi, my name is Neil, and I think it's coming home. Hi, I'm Nikhil, and I think it's coming home as well. Hello, I'm Sparsh, and I think Ronaldo's going to smoke the Euros. So, obviously, uh, the knockout stages were just released. Uh, some people are saying it's a bit lopsided in terms of the amount of power. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk. What do we think about that? Um, well, I think that it's just down to the way that the groups were positioned, honestly. Like, you, no one could have predicted that last final day in Group F. It was such a seesaw of a... Of both games, actually, it was a really intense competition. Both ended 2-2, obviously, but, I mean, they could have gone either way. So that sets up England with Germany in what seems like a relatively favourable side of the bracket. Um, the other side of the bracket is loaded with other good teams as well. So, yeah, I definitely think that there is quite a bit of imbalance. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Yeah, the England side's definitely a lot easier. Yeah, England have a good chance at... Um... Making it to the finals if they can beat Germany. Yeah, especially yeah, considering most of their games are in England. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the only game in England not actually playing at Wembley if they make it will be the quarterfinals. So I do think the winner of the England Germany game has like a perfect chance to make the final. Yeah. yeah their Although, biggest obstacle after Germany is the Netherlands, but yeah. that too, they're very weak at this point. The main thing for England, though, is they have to get past Germany. And to get past Germany, they need to change something up. Because, honestly, the four-back, while it was wanted by many fans, did not really work as well as everyone would have thought it would have. Let's, uh, let's compare Germany's and England's form. And overall, who do you think, although England, on paper, is doing very well, they've gone against mediocre teams and not scoring that much. But other than that, who's better on paper? I I would back Germany 100%. Um, look at the amount of attacking talent they have. As much as England also have an incredible amount of attacking talent, you look at Gareth Southgate and his choices. They've undoubtedly been really questionable uh, over the last three games. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Jaden Sancho or Marcus Rashford. Jack Grealish only played one game. And I think that Bukayo Saka is actually making a good contention to start in the round of 16. But it's ultimately down to Southgate. And he seems to favour Foden and Sterling, who... Undoubtedly have talent, but I feel like Grealish is definitely one of England's better creative forces, and Sancho has had a lot of goal involvement in the Bundesliga this season, and I think he's definitely someone who can bring a lot of threat to, the, to England's attack. But if they're not being used, then we're seeing the result in England's form at the moment. They're only scoring one goal. They've only scored a maximum of one goal in each of their games in the Euros. Um, I guess it goes to show based on Southgate's picks. What are your uh, score predictions for the game? Um, I feel like it could also be a, another low-scoring game, um, considering England's form, at least from an England perspective. I feel like we've been re relatively solid on the defensive, but you never know. There I, are think Germany, I, think, I think England will just about make it. I think, I think Germany is criminally underrated. You look at the game against Portugal, the attacking talent they had, they were quite literally ripping Portugal apart, especially Nabry, the runs he was making. I think... With Eng with Southgate making questionable choices, I can actually see German Germany easily defeating England because England are having difficulty, especially with their offense. So I can see yeah. like a high scoring game, especially with Germany winning like a four one or something like that. I, what I if think 
to for England to win this one, they need to switch from their back four to the back three because looking at like the the positioning of the players, you have quite a lot of space between Maguire and Stones, which I think Germany can exploit with their formation. Um, yeah, especially with the three four three. Um, I mean, you look at the the top three. You have Muller, Nabry, and Havertz, who all who all love to play really central. And like as we saw against Portugal, Gerzens love to get forward down the wing, which allows for a more central approach for the front three. Uh, and so that's something that England need to be aware of. I feel like a back three would provide a lot more tightness, and hopefully that's something that Southgate looks to. Assuming Southgate doesn't mess up on his lineups, then we have what would be, in your opinions, the best possible lineup. Do you think? What percentage would you give the, the potential win potential to? If that makes if, sense. If Southgate gives obviously 50. I would say 50 50, yeah, but I def I obviously I can tell you right now, I don't think he's gonna put out the best possible England side, which I think puts Germany at probably I would say a 60 40 or even a 70 30. I go a 55 45. Well, we can never underestimate the fa- fact that it is at Wembley. I think it's yeah. all down to Southgate, if I'm honest. Like, as long as he makes the right calls. Um, England are in with a pretty good chance, but given how he's been setting up the team in recent weeks, I can't really see England getting too far in this game, unfortunately, obviously. Um, I would say 50-50 if Southgate makes the right call, 70-30 if he doesn't. My one is- another issue I have with Southgate, uh, I don't think it's mainly down to him, but if you look at the position, Grealish and Sterling are like right next to each other for most common positions, I think. so they're like way too close to be effective. They- one of them needs to go, and I would honestly drop Sterling, despite him scoring both of England's goals. I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I feel like Southgate's approach is more of an alternating wing and cam uh, approach, because you see Grealish playing out on the left, because as we've seen against Croatia and against Czech Republic in both of England's wins, we love to hug the left wing, and that's why we have so much of a left-aligned formation yeah. with Grealish and Sterling alternating. Yeah, so, so I think he should move to 3-4-3. Uh, probably take out. I would take out Sterling rather than Grealish because Grealish he he brings something different. The only thing, the only problem with a three four three is that we don't have enough creativity from the heart of midfield. Of um, I mean, you look at Phillips and Rice. Um, I feel like they're both really solid, but Phillips doesn't have enough attacking flair. I feel like he's more of a defensive minded player, but so is Declan Rice. Um, and if we were to opt for a three four three, then I wouldn't mind having a creative midfielder play in the middle of the park rather than out on the wing because we need someone that can run in behind the fences like that. I would have Sancho, uh, Grealish and Kane up top and then play for, with a 3-4-3 and just have probably Mount and Rice I would back that. I would love to have Mount in the centre of the park. Where, where would, it, would you include Foden in this lineup at all or where would he no. play? I wouldn't. I think uh, I, I would include Foden because if you look at his performance against Scotland, I think he was England's best player on the pitch. And I think one of the reasons England didn't manage to win is because Southgate decided to bring him off and he decided to keep Sterling and King, which I think was a big mistake. So I would definitely keep for, uh, bring Foden in back for the round of 16 tie. Wait, didn't Kane get subbed off? Was he it did. Kane? Yeah, Kane no, got subbed off. Kane got subbed off. No, but he kept Sterling, right? Who was playing for the lad? Yeah, he did. Here's the main thing. Yeah, sure, you may have a bit of a lopsided when you have like a, a more attacking man midfielder playing in the center of the park, but the 3-4-3 will be so important to England. Because if you look at where Germany were playing, how Germany were playing against teams like Hungary and Portugal, uh, they're, they're, they're a very clinical team at this point, despite you know some of their players' reputations. 
I mean, yeah, um, when you look at the lineup, obviously, they've got so many good attacking players, but I don't know which kind of a front three that um, Joachim Löw is going to want to pick, though. Uh, any, any predictions or what any... Muller's been so experienced in this Germany side. Havertz has been, Havertz and Gnabry have done really well so far in the group stage as well. Also, I really want to uh, see how uh, Gosnitz does. He's been like amazing. So he he played brilliantly against Portugal, and I think yeah. that was key to their success because you, we saw how closely that front three worked and how close they were to the centre, which allowed Gosnitz to push forward almost as like a fourth, as a fourth forward at times. Obviously, he was playing as a left mid slash left wing back, but at times. Given how far up the pitch he was, you'd think that he was part of that front four. Well, we almost made it a front four, actually. And that's what provided a little bit of attacking width, given how, how far central those um, front three were playing. Um, let's take a moment to compare the defence of uh, England and Germany. Obviously, Germany has Hummels, Rüdiger and Neuer, some big names. But England hasn't conceded a goal in their entire group stage. What do you guys think about Maguire so far? Maguire? He's, he's only played one game, yeah, so... Exactly. Yeah, I know, but like in the last game, you think he'll start again? Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, he's, he's definitely up there in terms of the England packing order. Um, I feel like England may have also had a good defensive record um, due to the fact that we haven't played... We haven't had any real competition yet, but I think that the way we held off Scotland as well uh, in the 0-0 draw was quite good. They were playing really, really well, Scotland. I think that's one of the best performances in a while. Um, and I think we did... We, we maybe we could count ourselves lucky to have got away with a draw. Now looking back at perhaps the entire group stage, what, who uh, who do you think is one team which really like shocked you with their performances, kind of like the underdogs? Italy. I mean, we all know that Italy was a strong side going into this Euros, but given how um, how they haven't really lit up international football in recent major tournaments, I feel like. Uh, our expectations for them were a bit lower. However, I feel like they've really risen to the occasion on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in this competition, low, it's not like Italy went into this not performing good. They have maybe not been for like what twenty something matches now. No, yeah. of course, but I'm talking about in a major tournament scheme. Like I never, yeah. I didn't yeah. really rate Italy um, in terms of their ability to perform in major tournaments. Obviously, they have won uh, the Euros of a while ago and the World Cup four times, but. I mean, in recent in recent years, we haven't seen Italy at its best. I, I would also say Sweden. I mean, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Spain, that's a strong team, at least, you know. Alexander Isaac is a baller. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Spain have, this is a massive downgrade from, like, if you look at the 2010 World Cup or even the 2014 World Cup, um, that was just the group stage curse, I think, doing its magic. But... Um, to be fair, Spain have had a brilliant squad over the last few years, and this is just uh, a serious fall from grace, if you ask me. You have no, uh, you have a few good players. Um, you have some good young talents like Pedri. I think is really good. Definitely want to watch, but no uh, standout names for me, to be honest. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how like why Ramos was included in the squad. Yeah, yeah Ramos being he, they need a leader. The yeah, all good and all, but. Ramos is just different. Yeah. 
I agree. It okay. Be, it would be the point. Let's move on on to the uh, individual predictions for the first matches. The okay. well, we'll firstly we have Belgium Portugal. This one's gonna be a big one. Oh, that's this a big one. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. This is alongside England and Germany, the draw to look out for. I'm gonna say three two Belgium. I think yeah, I think Belgium will win this one. I think two 0 Portugal. Yeah, I think. Here's the thing. I think. I think two one Belgium. The attack of Portugal is gonna be is gonna overwhelm that slow aging defense of Belgium. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I think it'll be a close game. I'm gonna say three one Portugal in the end. I say three two Belgium because both teams have an incredible attacking threat, and as you said, um, Belgium's defense is aging a little bit, and with the pace of uh, players like Ronaldo, he's still thirty six, but he's still going strong, and the creativity of Bruno Fernandes, if he starts, obviously, um, is going to be really hard for them to handle. But I feel like Belgium's attack will just edge it, and they have just a little bit more yeah, flair yeah, about them. We probably should mention that uh, Portugal will have a thirty eight year old starting in defense as well, so they're also aging. Yeah, yeah, that too. Portugal were really strong back, and I think that defense yeah. is better than Belgium's. And I also think Portugal's attack is superior than Belgium's too. If you just look at the attacking talent they have, they're obviously Ronaldo, Fernandez, Silva. They were really strong attack Portugal. So I think in that sense, they'll edge out Belgium. Yeah, but they'll definitely edge out. And also keep an eye out for Renato Sanchez. He's been amazing in that midfield for Portugal. He has. I feel like he's a player that like only plays international football. I barely ever hear of him on the club stage, even though he, he won so Liga with Lille. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was getting to that. I never really heard of him that much on a club uh, stage recently, even though he did win uh, Liga with Lille. But the years before that, he was he didn't really go uh, heard of ever since Golden Boy. But um... obviously, we can't forget about Sporch's favorite Diego Hota. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think yes. I'm predicting the win for Portugal. Moving on, we've got Italy, Austria. I, I don't think there's there's a lot of discussion. I think Italy's yeah, gonna, I think Italy's gonna open. win this. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a three nil. I think they're yeah. gonna continue to find form into this tournament. I'll I could even say four nil. Now this is an interesting one. Uh, what about what do you think of? Croatia uh, and Spain. Switzerland? No, sorry, France Switzerland. Oh. Uh, France, France Switzerland. France for I think sure. it's, yeah. France I think it's 2-0 we'll steam ahead, though. Yeah, 2-0. Um, I'll go 3-1. I think 3-1 for France. Yeah, I, I can't see Switzerland scoring, to be honest. I'll say 2-0 uh, or 3-0 France. Uh, Croatia, Spain? I can actually see... This is not to see Croatia winning this. I still think Spain are going to win it. I'm not sure, you know. Um, I feel like it could go to penalties. This is one yeah, of the yeah, ties yeah. that probably has the potential to go to penalties. Yeah. I think this could go to Penza. Now it's going to be a Thiago Alcantara masterclass. I, I feel think... like Morata will definitely miss his pen if it does go to penalties. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Croatia will just scrape through. I think Croatia will scrape through just. Same. I, I, I'm a believer. I think Madrid I want Croatia to scrape through and have a World Cup final rematch, but I think Spain are going to win. Okay, let's look at the other side of the bracket and let's look at Wales and Denmark. This is another close tie. Um, I, I think I think Denmark could edge it. I think Wales will win it. I think Wales win it because if you look at the form of Bale, he's been he's back. I think he's back almost to one of his. When you fine. lose someone like Christian Eriksen in that Denmark team, you need. Yeah, I think Wales have been pretty impressive Some to be fair. Yeah, and Wales were actually good last year as well, weren't they? Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're top the group, I think, ahead of England, actually. 
Yeah, we know. Oh, no. What about Czech Republic and Netherlands? I think it's going to be pretty simple. Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, England, Germany. I think we've already predicted this number. If you guys want to repeat it. No, it's okay. We can continue. We didn't, we didn't, give, we didn't give our scores. Um, yeah. I say 1 0 to England. I say 2 1 to England. Yeah, I say 2 1 as well. I'll say 3 0 to Germany. Wow. High hopes. <laughs> uh, I'd say 1 0 England. Um, and then what about uh, Sweden, Ukraine? I think I think Sweden, even without Ibrahimovic, they'll they'll take it over two 0 I think it's been amazing. Or is it Isak? I don't know how to say it. Alexander Isaac, he's been fantastic. Yeah. I think this could be a pretty good game to watch too. I'd say one 0 Sweden. I'll say no, two. I'll, I'll take Sweden to win like two 0 I think Ukraine probably will score. I think it'll be three one Sweden. Let's hope Ukraine don't score and let's have it happen. <laughs> I think uh, the winner of the um, German England game can definitely not underestimate Sweden if they make it through. That they'll actually, they could pop, probably be the dark horse of this tournament, in my opinion. I mean, I'd be hoping for a repeat of what happened with England and Sweden in the World Cup quarterfinals, just not the semi-finals. <laughs> Luckily, that's not possible because Croatia are on the other side of the bracket. But hey, for all you know, that happened in the finals. Yeah. Hopefully not, but we'll see. Um, UEFA also released today. The, the new rule that uh, away goals will no longer have an effect. What do we think about this? It's definitely going to spice things up. Yeah, I think it's going to do I, the exact opposite of that, to be honest. The away goal rule yeah. made it also exciting, but I feel like now with the penalty, with penalties and extra time about to be more commonplace, it could feel like more of a general knockout tournament, which isn't really what the Champions League is. It's yeah. it's the greatest it's the greatest league um, in, in 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 club football. Sorry. And I feel like the way, the away goals rule just makes it just makes it that much greater. It's that's what makes it so much more exciting as well. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. This like kind of removes like the home advantage or whatever you would say. It's just the same home and away for both teams when you're playing both legs. So yeah, so now penalties will definitely be more common. Here's the thing: without the away goal rule, Liverpool don't have that hunger to beat Barcelona four 0 Tottenham don't have that hunger to win three two. Yeah. And- yeah, it, it's a big difference. Teams will lose a certain edge that they have because of the yeah. away goal. It definitely becomes easier for teams, you know, to level the tie and then just hope that they can progress via extra time or penalties. So, yeah, yeah. But I feel like um, prior to that, we've obviously got a big transfer window coming up. Uh, a lot of business is expected to happen. Um, let's talk about Jaden Sancho first of all, because obviously. Um, there's been a lot of talk about his move to Man United, and obviously he does. He has played, or he has been a lot, uh, the talk of the town of the Euros as well. With Southgate deciding to leave him out for so much, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's pretty obvious it's that about, it's about damn time. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious he wants to move to Man United. Um, he's even said it. I think it was confirmed by Fabrizio Romano. So I think he's gonna. But the only thing is, I don't know if Man United and. Um, Dorman actually agree with the fee because from what I'm hearing, man, you are willing to pay up to 85 million euros, but Dortmund are looking for 95. So I think it could be a, it could potentially be a repeat of last summer, but I think Man United should probably get this deal done. What I yeah, heard I feel- is that it it's apparently they're just waiting for the euros to end for it, for it to be confirmed. Well, I wonder what this would mean for Greenwood. 
Green Greenwood's future is at striker. Yeah, he's not. Really? Yeah, not yeah, he's not a natural winger. Really, he doesn't have that pace to be that. I suppose. I mean, I haven't watched Man United too closely, but that guy's a I mean, poacher. I mean, he he can also finish with both feet, so I think that's a really impressive feat, and yeah, may, that'll probably make him into a better striker. Um, Obviously, this this is a move of intent from Man United. Perhaps I'll, title challenge for the cards. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think Charles is good enough. No, no. Yeah. Well, he's not good enough. They they need someone better if they're gonna have a title challenge. But we've been everyone's been doubting him, so it's his turn to prove everyone else wrong. Yeah. Do, do we think that um, obviously last season we saw Chelsea spend big on some big names, and let's just say that as much as they still have a great future ahead of them, especially Kai Havertz, they didn't really live up to the expectation. What can we expect from Chelsea this summer? Obviously, we saw. Them look at- I mean, we, can't, we, we can't say that about all of them actually, you, If you look at it, Chilwell actually did quite well. I was talking mainly about Werner and Havertz because uh, they were the two marquee signings of the window. Obviously, all most of the players that Chelsea did sign are really big names, but Werner and Havertz, I mostly expected to do really, really well and to bat up the Premier League. Maybe it's just a matter of time, but um, I'm mainly asking about how do you think Chelsea are going to do this this uh, season? This, this term, if... Havertz can continue playing like he is now. Chelsea could challenge Man City for the title. At the moment, I would still pick City as the favourite just purely because look at the team they have. They've also bid for Harry Kane. If they get Kane, they'll just be like kind of like they're playing FIFA career mode, to be honest. They already are, yeah, though, let's be honest. Yeah. It's like they've put on, put on a financial takeover of 500 million. But every yeah. season. I mean, we have two Chelsea fans in the call. Who would you really like to see at your club, guys? I would love to see Haaland. I, I think it's a bit of a meme. <laughs> of course. 100 million is a lot, but hey, Russian money. We pull some Fred, shoot some, shoot some people. I think we could bring in some, some blood money and get Haaland. But why would you get him now and next summer you can get him for a lot cheaper because of his release clause? No, but perhaps I think because next summer, due to the cheaper release clause, a lot of clubs will be eyeing Haaland. Yeah. Well, um, news that's just come in about uh, is Arsenal, who are apparently edging closer to a fifty million pound deal for Ben White. Thoughts on it? I like the sound of this deal, but the only problem I have with it is I don't. With this being our first signing of the of the window, I don't know. Uh, what this could mean for the rest of it. If this is our marquee signing, I'll be really disappointed. But I really hope we can strengthen other areas of our game. Okay, no, you guys you, have spent I mean, 50 million very rashly. No, you have to look at it. Just English. I agree, he's definitely not worth 50 million. It's, it's, it's English, English tax. tax. Yeah, if he was, for example, Spanish, he'd probably be 30 million or something. Less, probably tw- 25, maybe. Not 230. Look, I think Ben White's definitely had a... It's, he's it's a solid that, defender. It's the fact that he's going to Arsenal, and it's the fact that he played for a Premier League club already. That's Not true. necessarily his nationality. No, no, if you look at Maguire's deal with Leicester, it's pretty, sim- pretty similar circumstances. But yeah, I do agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely more to, to do with the fact that he's moving to a Premier League club as well, and he's also English. So well, no, no, listen, because well, Leicester and... demand $100 million for most of their players. Like, Ndidi, I think, was valued at... 
Yeah, true. That's always. And and he's not English. He's Nigerian. Yeah, but I mean, you look at another English player that's played in the Premier League and is being eyed up by another English club. You look at Emil Smith Rowe. <laughs> Aston Villa won in for Smith Rowe. Um, I'm not having any of that. I really don't want Villa to get Smith Rowe, and they've offered 25 million. So clearly, they think that the English tax doesn't exist. Maybe. Yeah, but going back to Arsenal, I definitely agree with Nikhil. I really hope this isn't our marquee signing. Although Nikhil, it does look like Arsenal actually have a bigger than expected budget this season of reportedly 200 million plus. I would really hope so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 50 million on him is just a waste. I don't think it's a waste. I L- think Liverpool he... got Konate for what 40. Yeah, but if you look at the difference again, it's not. It's the English tax, and it's the fact that he's moving to another Premier League yeah, club. Yeah, so you could have gotten a better player from a not in the Premier League. Chess. You could have gone to got Pau Torres for. Uh, I think he's available for fifty million. Pau Torres is probably more than fifty million, bro. No, he's available what for about, fifty. Guys, what about Jules Kunde? Jules Kunde is really good. Is he fifty million or? Yeah, I think he's fifty million. Like he's at sixty million euros. I don't know how much that is in pounds. Hmm. I mean, I'm happy with Ben White, you know. Yeah, I'm glad that our first signing is a rock-solid defender because we need, after the departure of David Luiz, I think we need someone that can partner Gabriel in the centre. But Luiz I'm not left? quite sure what Wait, David means. Luiz left? Yeah, he's left. He's a free agent now. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, hey. I, know, take I do think this... I don't know. I'm not too sure about the future of Saliba now. It looks like he's exactly. also... He's all, I would personally not sell him. I think loaning him out. I heard Newcastle were interested. I'll loan him out to Newcastle. If I'm being totally honest, I would like to see a rotation of centre-backs. And I'd like to see probably... Um, if we get Saliba in, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Rob holding the part, to be honest. As long as we can get some rotation going. Player, I think you guys need stability. Another player who's not talked about is actually Kostas Navropanos, the Greek defender. He's actually... Yeah, yeah. What I've heard, he's actually been really good in Germany. So. Oh, yes. He, like played, a 7 he went for... He got on loan, didn't he? That's a yeah. seven million euro option to buy on his loan now, I think. Yeah, but I feel, yeah, the def- apparently there's rumors that they're going to go for it. And honestly, I feel like that's a big loss for us because he's definitely a, um, a, a strong defender and he's definitely been highly rated in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and he was also one of Wenger's last signings, I think. Yeah. I mean, moving on to some of the other um, transfer rumors that have sparked. Um, across Europe, actually, obviously, Lionel Messi, um, having some some uh, reports from Fabrizio Romano that he's going to be confirmed staying at Barcelona. What do we think about that? Do you think that there could have been any clubs that were tempted to go in for him? Do you think they could have settled his wages, anything like that? No, apparently that's also he's not yet decided. It's been proven that he's not yet signed a new contract or agreed terms with Barcelona. No, but he has said he wants to stay at Barcelona. I, I, I think it's just fitting for, like, he spent his entire career at Barcelona. Might as well end it there. According to Fabrizio Romano, Leo wants to stay at FC Barcelona and will extend his contract until June 2023. There's still this? some clauses to be fixed in the contract before signing and announcing the deal. Yeah, sure, sure. Wait, when was this? This was 13 hours ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Aguero definitely has a big part to play in that. Apparently Barcelona yeah. wanted to do like some audacious appeal to get Ronaldo and Messi to play together. Like, what? It's apparently, yeah. So essentially, they want to offer Coutinho and uh, was it was I think it was Pjanic or someone else to Juventus, <laughs> so that they can offload uh that both of them and get the uh, wait, be able to pay wages for Ronaldo. 
That's actually oh, another, another, another potential big saga this summer is Hakimi. Uh, I think yeah. PSG and PSG both in the race. Although it looks like now PSG. Yeah, PSG have just, definitely gone clear in the race. Just about edging Chelsea in there. I think 70 million euros. That's mad. Kind of crazy. But reports are coming in that Chelsea never made an official bid. I feel like it might have been a good signing for Chelsea, but it might have put the future of Reese James under a bit of doubt. I feel like Reese James is a really, really strong talent, especially his physicality. I feel like that's something that you don't often get in a fullback, which he brings to um, Chelsea's defence, which is super good. And I feel like he's so versatile and he could play in the centre, like as a CDM, but also as a right side centre back due to his physicality. He's also got incredible pace and ball control. Yep. Well, here's the thing. PSG are building quite a nice project there. They Essentially, I've heard rumours that they want to switch to a three-back, so like a 3-4-3 three, three, with Pochettino, and hence they want Hakimi to play as wing-back, and hence that's why they're looking for Ramos and maybe some, another defender. Because Marquinhos has settled himself as, as a defensive mid now, but he can also play as a centre-back. I feel like Marquinhos and Kimpembe would make a really good defensive pairing. They might have played together before. I don't play they too have. much close attention to PSG, but how solid are they? So they're they're actually very solid. But Marquinhos, I think uh, I can't remember who got injured, but they moved him into midfield, and he played even be- uh, better there, and he's so solid that he doesn't need to move back to central defense. They can just actually turn it up and do something. Because apparently Varane also has his heart set on Paris. Huh? Okay, now this is very interesting. Reports are coming in that Tottenham are still in the search for the new manager. We all know that, but apparently they've, <laughs> <laughs> the most crazy thing they've done. They've like failed chance to sign five of them. Anyway, they've apparently held talks with former Barcelona manager Valverde. They've also held talks with Nuno. And yeah, I don't think I don't think Nuno's gonna go to Spurs. I can see Valverde going to Spurs, but I personally I don't think it's really like an exceptional. Talks with Eric Ten Hag, Chris Powell, Pablo Fonse- Paolo Fonseca, Pochettino, Graham Potter, Zidane, Gattuso, Conte, Valverde, and Klinsmann. Yeah. The they're list goes like, on, man. Man, they're just they're running a, ma- a circus there. Circus, yeah, true. <laughs> um. Also, last year completed the signing of 22-year-old um, Paston Daka from RB Salzburg. I think it was yeah. pretty. That's a huge signing, you know. He played really well in the Austrian Bundesliga. Yeah. Like, if you look at his statistics, they are crazy. His goal-scoring record was incredible last season. Yeah, I think last year, this season, I think surely now, this season, they have to push for top four. Uh, Leicester. I feel like Leicester are definitely top four contenders, but if Arsenal have a good window, then we could see us edge back into the top six and hopefully the top four. The only way I can see Arsenal finishing Uh, back in the top four... Is if I, they I'm sorry, I can't help myself top last You think Arsenal is going to end top four, even top six? Arsenal will, on a good day, on a good season, top 15. You're getting relegated this season, bro. You're getting relegated. That's just facts. I don't think you heard you. Were you even listening? What were you, what were you saying? I say we edit this part out. Thank you very much. <laughs> Girl, Nick, bro, Nick Oh, yeah, no, I know what the hell. Well, Nikhil, what the hell are you saying? Arsenal top four. Are you Nikhil, are you mental, bro? Top four, top six, bro. Okay, we can cut that part. We're keeping that in. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, with all of the signings. If we have a good window. Yeah, no, no, Thomas, you cut Nikhil in the middle and just said. Exactly. Thomas, this is your fault, man. God damn. What are you doing? Yeah, no, so let's start from here. Yeah, definitely, Nikhil, I do agree. If Arsenal sign 
some like if they spend that 200 million that they apparently have get ben white get alexander isaac for, for example get you know madison madison and honestly Unana and players like these then definitely they can chance for the top four and also I think not being in the conference league will actually help Arsenal because now they can focus primarily on the Champions League and you can take Chelsea for example in the 15-16 season they finished 10th the season after they were not even in Europe and you know they won the league after I'm not saying Arsenal's title challengers obviously but definitely they can make top four if they sign some good players if I'm being totally honest, I can see us having a very, very good season if we spend that 200 million wisely. Just like you said, as long as we get a really good creative attacking talent to challenge Smith Rowe for that starting position, another solid goalkeeper, a right side centre back, which we know we're closing in on Ben White, and hopefully a striker uh, yeah. with uh, Bamiang and Lacazette being linked away. Well, Bamiang not so much being linked away, but I mean, one of the stronger elements of his game was pace, and now that age is getting the better of him, I feel like. That element is going to fade away, as we saw so many times last season. So you guys laughed uh, at me when I said to sell him. You guys laughed. Let's so not forget much. We need a right back also, Arsenal, and desperately need a right back as well. Definitely, I feel like I'm a bit upset that we um, t- uh, pulled out of the race for Hakimi, but I feel like he might have been more of a natural right wing back. Which yeah, so I think considering also, I think we have twenty million. Also, yeah, and that too. And also, I think if we have 200 million, I don't think we would want to spend, you know, just 120 of it straight away on Hakimi and White. I think we want to spend more so we're attacking uh, players. Yeah, true. What do you guys think of Liverpool being heavily linked now with Daniel Marlin and uh, John McGinn? They are? I, yeah. I didn't hear of any of that. Yeah, well, in the last two days, those that's been... The John McGinn one has been breaking out. Yeah, and the John McGinn, I think that would be a, I that's, actually, be a good time. that's very good, because the role he plays for Scotland is, could be very similar to what Wijnaldum does for Liverpool. It is like pretty much identical, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, a very central-based midfielder that loves to get forward and you know create chances. Well, I feel like that's definitely what Wijnaldum tried to do at Liverpool, and he did pretty well, actually. Uh, McGinn could be his natural successor. I'm yeah. more excited about Marlon if he comes in, though, because Marlon, oh my, t- 27 goals, 10 assists. Yeah. You feel like Marlon could replace Firmino and then they go to a regular 4-3-3 and not have a false nine? No, no, this is what happens. I think I think Firmino may not start next season for Liverpool. I think they start Diego, uh, Diego Jota. Yeah, I think, I don't know why Yeah, Jota should start, actually. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I could see that as well. But then, I don't. where would Marlon play? Oh, Ma- Ma- Marlon, I could see him coming off the bench for, like, his first season. And then, you know, he eventually gets, like, in, put into the first team setup after, you know, they move on from Salah and Mane. Just get yeah. rid of him already, please. Just get rid of Mane. <laughs> he's, had, he's had one bad season. He's been absolutely incredible for you guys. I feel like it's not, it's not that good to write him off so quickly. He's still got a couple more years in him. I mean, you look at how Arsenal went with Aubameyang. I mean, he's getting old now. Mane is still a couple of years younger than Aubameyang. So, um, maybe this is just an off-season year for Mane. Yeah, yeah maybe an off-season, but still, Liverpool at some point need to think to the future. If they, if they hold on to people like Mane and Salah for too long, people who are like pace demons, if their pace goes down a lot, their, 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 their value also will decrease coincidentally, right? Yeah, again, Aubameyang, for example. Yeah. yeah. Because Arsenal could have honestly got at least 60 million, I would say, last summer. Maybe even more, because he had two 
phenomenal seasons at Arsenal. Both yeah. 20, 30 goals, I think. 22 goals each season in the Premier League. Maybe 30 overall, I can't remember. No, but he had one, one year left on his contract. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have signed a new contract if you had Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Look, who knows? Maybe he has a good season next season. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I, I think the main reason he slowed down is because of the physicality of the Premier League. Yeah. I, if, if he's in Spain, I see him going on for at least one more season. Possibly. Well, guys, um, it's been a great episode and great to have some good discussions about the Euros and obviously the upcoming transfer window. Plenty yeah. of time left uh, in yeah. the transfer window, but not so much from us right now. So thanks yeah. for listening in and we'll be back soon. Take Bye. care. Bye. Make sure to check Bye. our socials. Thank you.